And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod, we're back. It's another week. Your boys are freshly watered. Um, it rained here for the first time in about 374 days. So we're, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel, I feel fresh. I don't know about y'all. Now, I wasn't dancing in it or anything, but I, I feel like uh, our twice a year rainstorm always leaves me feeling renewed. Uh, what about you, Dave? I am constantly renewed, Damone. So I don't, I don't need <laughs> rain to, to feel refreshed and renewed. Okay. I take that personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave Ma for Summer's Eve. Um, <laughs> I had nowhere to go with that lead-in. Okay, so oh, that was great. That was great. Uh, Nate, your your beard looks shiny. Did you enjoy our uh, our intermittent rainstorm today? I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> uh, love it, love I, I I loved the fact that it rained. I had my weekend all set up so Sunday I didn't have to do a gosh darn thing and just like I just you know my wife probably got sick of this bit by the eleventh or twelfth hour, but they kept saying it was going to be an atmospheric river. That's like a lot of rain, right? So I'd be like, I would just look out and based on like drop size and frequency, I'd be like, so is this the riv? No, no, <laughs> just like 17 times yesterday, just like on the yeah. couch, watching movies, making soup, just turning around and going like, I think this is the riv. <laughs> poor, Everybody poor wants man. rain. And then yeah. as soon as it's, it rains, it's like, what the fuck is over this rain? <laughs> that that is a San Jose in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, really bad for business. Like people in San Jose just do not leave the house when it oh. rains. And I am very much a part of that. <laughs> One See, drop of rain. Yep, you guys over. are the problem. <laughs> it was my birthday yesterday. That's uh, right, sir. Happy belated. Yeah, pouring down raining. But um, I still went to the strip club. Because you know I mean? I'm, I'm here to support local economy. You know what I mean? That's that's what I that's what I do. Um, while we're here on the subject of, of the weather and because there's nothing more riveting. Um, what is your go to rainy day rap album? Nate LeBlanc. Oh, um, I don't tend to listen to rap when it's raining, but. I suppose a good uh, rainy day rap album would be like some like, honestly, this is kind of a basic biatch answer, but uh, introducing. Okay. That sounds like a rainy day to me. We've talked about this before, but a rainy day, a rainy day kind of coffee. Uh, staring out the window record yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely while an, an audi like wishes by and yes raining at midnight yes. I, I i don't know if you guys will think this is funny i thought it was hilarious the other day there was a like low rider cadillac like a lowered cadillac i should say like a big old one like a boat size cadillac and this like Kind of tough dude driving it very slowly through my intersection, but he was drinking one of those sunny delights that has like the baby bottle tip. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where they kind of makes it a squeeze bottle. It's blue, and then the rest of the thing is like clear with the weird That's fluorescent hilarious. orange liquid. I was just I I was like, 
this image is just going to stick with me for the rest of time. Like, that's just such a very <laughs> odd beverage and car combo. Look, that's, Cholo's that's one way. vitamin C, too. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Oh, my God. That's one God. way to undermine your toughness. Yes. With, with a mini bottle of anything. <laughs> sipping, uh, sipping like a small child. Uh, Dave, what, what's your rainy day rap record go to? You know what? Sort of off top and... um. I off top there's two. One is um the cold vein. You know, it's uh, uh, I think it's it literally kind of sounds like abrupt gloomy rain. Um but the other one um Nate actually mentioned recently and it's a and it's um a favorite of ours which is Sonic Sums Sanity Annex. Okay, as a as a rainy day we It's a very we, good rainy day record. Yeah, yeah. just so I agree gloomy with myself. And, <laughs> very sane yeah. Yeah. um yeah okay all right uh i think i'm with you nate i don't typically reach for the rap records was yeah. listening to a little uh electric Ladyland while staring out the window burning incense feeling very um very hippie-ish but vibey. Uh, very vibey but i have thought in rainstorms past uh cuban links is a ah, that's a good one great, it's is in, right like um <laughs> uh, that one's literal yes. uh yeah I, I i i would be much more likely to throw on like a folk record yeah i think yeah, that's your yeah. mission my, statement as a my person, steez though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> autumn is a great time to listen to this artist named ted lucas i don't know if you guys are into ted lucas he has this song called uh it's so nice to get stoned uh, kind of a life mantra. A very, very yes. good record. It's on the uh, Yoga Records. Can you save it for our non-rap show? That's coming up. <laughs> can, can you let us produce a non-rap yes. show? Yes, coming soon. There will be a non-rap show. Uh, our yoga episode. Yes, absolutely. Broga, if you will. Um, so yeah, we are here. It is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are pushing up towards episode 200. This is one. 92 it's been an interesting time uh, in rap in the last couple weeks i feel like it's always an interesting time i feel like rap in the nba is always going to throw you something totally talk or think about which is part of the beauty of it and makes it fun to podcast about so recently probably ancient in internet times um a few gentlemen by the name of uh, big daddy kane and krs1 uh, went on the instagram to uh to do battle in verses, which honestly, I have to say, these are Swiss beats like best productions. Are these are these <laughs> are these battles, man? I, I always forget that it's it's him and Timberland that are kind of the the producers of it. And um it's been some really good matchups, a really good way for rap fans to give older artists their flowers, which we're not always great at. And I mm-hmm. thought that uh this most recent verses was a great example of that. Um, KRS versus Big Daddy Kane is a very interesting matchup. They have a lot of combined history. Um, but you know, I caught some bits and pieces of it. I don't know how you guys feel. It's hard for me to look at something on Instagram for that long. Mm. Am I, am I, am I just being old? I, you are, I, uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Well, I, well, let me preface it by saying, I agree with you. And to the point where I actually watch it on my laptop because I can't just watch it on my phone. So yes, I, like on IG, way too long. But um, I liked it, man. I liked it. I mean, all these yeah. all these versus things are sort of like a celebration of their catalog. And like you said, giving flowers. But um, 
usually there's a, it, all, it, all, it always comes with a hefty eye roll too, to be frank. And um, <laughs> this was really, this was really one of those where it's like, okay, like I'm going to set aside um, all my bad feelings towards KRS for all the Bombada shit. I'm going to set the shit aside for like an hour and today. a half just today. Yeah. Yeah. Just for, just to see them fucking rocket. And they really, really did. They, I thought they both came off fucking excellent um their periods of music i mean it feels like there's really a slight overlap you know what i mean between their hits and and the time frame in which that happened so it just felt like krs was doing 90s stuff and then big daddy kane was doing late 80s stuff but towards the end showmanship and sort of the athleticism of being an mc i think shine through i mean big daddy kane is is older and his breath control was better yeah, man, I was I was impressed with his. He still has the the high speed delivery, and Karras was a little bit labored. You know what I mean? He he was definitely a little bit labored. Um, although I've seen him do awesome performances. Uh, Nate, you're like me. I think you caught some bits and pieces. What was what was your take on the on the verses? Not not even that. Um, oh, really? I I don't like verses. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I understand now they perform their songs a little bit more than just play them at each other but that's still my like what's in my head of it being so i just don't watch them i, um, I can totally see that it, it changed though remember the very yeah. first verses where it's like primo and rizza and just they couldn't even out. get they couldn't even get their laptops started yes like, that just like i was like okay then this is not for me i'm totally. gonna go watch uh you know a wonder years rerun or whatever <laughs> like any the, other the, show would be better than watching this you know what totally I mean? But I, um, now they've morphed into like sort of just live concert celebrations, yes. right? Um, so. I did love the Too Short and E41, and I that it's like kind of the only one I've ever watched. Um, but I will say, um, I think people thought that KRS was going to wipe the floor with Big Daddy yeah. Kane, and I'm pleased to hear that that was not the case. Um, it's it's nice to see the era of rap that we're so appreciative of and that would kind of do what we try to do every week, uh, mm-hmm. be, be celebrated on a more mainstream level and just have everybody talking about like, I'm right. still number one. And like, uh, right. you know, right. smooth operator by big daddy Kane is, is yeah. incredible. And apparently uh BDK played kind of a new song or like just a rap over a library uh, yeah. break that like people are going nuts for. So like, that's so great for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great kind of platform uh, to celebrate artists that we, besides this program and a handful of others, actually know how to celebrate. Um, And also just introducing, I think you were making that point, Nate, that like I had some of my millennial friends being like, who's Big Daddy Kane? And right. first I it's LOL emoji. And then I'm like, all right, so Big Daddy Kane, like, <laughs> you know, as in your father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear a deaf rhyme, believe he's author. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm currently teaching that class at San Jose State oh, on hip hop. Right. So, right. so having these verses, um, you know, sort of in the modern culture, like mind state, it's really good because it's like one, it's like an excuse for me to like have my kids you know check that shit out because they have no idea who big daddy kane is until i mentioned it in a book you know what i mean yeah right and um so uh, yeah that's just really good to see it's just a really good excuse for them to like go back and like do the knowledge you know dave did you assign it i didn't i i was gonna as sort of an extra credit thing 
Okay. I, I don't want to veer off too much and be like, well, check out this dope freestyle I just saw. You know, I, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this is dumb. And I probably tell you this once a week, but if your class existed when I was in college, I would be your most annoying student. <laughs> I would be, I would be at your office hours every day waiting to talk to you about some like record that, you know, I hope you've heard of. I would <laughs> totally. have read all your articles and quote them back to you. And I would have definitely watched verses for extra credit. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Even unassigned. And that's, that's, uh, that's the energy we love here on this program. Uh, yeah, was, I thought it was an interesting matchup. When I think of KRS, I almost think he should have been paired against somebody who was more like him. There's just mm. the contrast to me was so wild. Big Daddy Kane's whole persona was one of smoothness. Right. Uh, he still knows how to dress. KRS came dressed as a hip hop hobo, and I didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, I understand it. Like he's staying with the garb that I guess, but he was yeah. dressed down. Um, it was who, casual who Friday. Would, on yeah. that versus. He got a be- gift certificate to Burlington. <laughs> and <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad that I'm like, even in the, in the B-boy true school hip hop realm, there are people who make fly ass gear. KRS yeah. came with a t-shirt that was like, looked like an iron on. It was <laughs> so, and Big Daddy Kane, to uh always dresses only- oh, amazing smooth he's so he's still so fly he's so it was a it would to me it was a contrast of your uncles right it was like <laughs> the fly kind of macking ass uncle and then there's your uncle that was like a fucking pentecostal preacher like, <laughs> <laughs> which is such a weird dichotomy i, I keep searching for what kind of blowhardy person Kara should have went against but yeah that's what that's what i want kind of want to get back to who has who would be a better right match, who would be kind of equivalent and i i it doesn't have to be about song theme so much as like hit record right. time frame like we what it's like because it didn't match up or to 94 totally but yeah very unaligned and it was very obvious at first but i kind of liked how all that went away towards the end right and you know they were I mean? just we're, we're just rapping we're just it was rapping, the same rapping. Scene. Yeah, w- yeah where do we consider krs's last hit to be it's like sound of the police or is there something after that that i'm not thinking of uh, I I consider Return of the Boom Bap. I mean, MCs act like they don't know. Like okay. Return of the yeah. Boom Bap yeah. of, yeah, of his last like, and that's ninety five. Yeah. So KRS's run was longer. Like he had a longer run. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I I'll say it, even though he didn't perform it as such, his his hits hit harder. Like KRS's hits hit harder than big daddy canes because they're big more daddy universal is- they're not for like lyric nerds right. or, or or the ladies you know what i mean it's like right. you're coming right. in with right. smooth operator and this kind of like real playboy type of thing and so um i still haven't found who would be the the right matchup i just thought that was it was kind of interesting but i love that new york goes up for it you know what i mean totally like, totally totally like everybody's uh aunts and uncles of, of that era were there and that was meaningful to them uh, so, yeah, it was it was great to see. Um, I want to throw this out to the group. Who is of the kind of, you know, classical time that we like to tread around a lot? Who is the next artist that we would like to see celebrated in the in the versus format? OK, I have one. When their music gets put on streaming, they should do Tribe versus De La. Oh, my God. You're so. Oh, right. my God. Come, so on. Right. Come on. Yeah. 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 You're so right. As soon as it gets on streaming, though, to like like or like you drop it that night 
Like, so yeah. it's like you do the verses so everybody remembers and everybody knows everything. And then it's like there it's available for you to go and research and go back in time or whatever. I would watch that and just cry. I would just, <laughs> I would sit and watch that. Can you imagine? Like, can oh you imagine? Like, I'm now um, realizing the I'm, hard part of my plan is that one of the major members of tribe would not be able to participate, but there's ways around that. They could, uh, they could get some, uh, get, they could bring in guests. They could, Oh, for know, sure. Just for play sure. those parts and everybody vibe out. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'd watch that one. Yeah. That, that, that would be, that would be huge. Dave, could you think of another kind of classic artist that we'd love to see celebrated in the format? God, I, you know, the, there's so many to be frank. I, I would love to see, and I and uh, you guys can maybe help me with the corollaries a little bit, but I would love to see Jizza versus G Rap. Mm. Oh, in the battle for G. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Nothing but a G thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was even better. Nice. Well done. Well, I was setting you guys up for that one. Yeah, I mean, I know there's, you know, sort of the same thing, slightly different overlap in time in terms of time frame, but you know, they were both like the lyrical maestros, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. sort of a darker, a darker aesthetic to them both. Mm -hmm. um, like mafioso versus quantum physics. Yeah. With yeah, like a, yeah. this like lyrical, like deep, deep lyrical bend. That's a pretty interesting matchup. All right. Um, All right. So what about you guys? Uh, <laughs> yeah, is any other sort of, uh, I would like to see, I would like to see something involving DJ quick. I think he's the next person with the super strong catalog. Oh, yeah. That's that's somewhat under heralded. I think he went through phases. He was definitely slept on at a point. Then he was so slept on. Everybody wanted to say that he was slept on. Right. So he wasn't and now slept he's kind of back to now he's back slept on again. OK, again, um, this is not going to work in the real world. But how interesting would a shock G versus DJ quick versus oh, have been? Oh, my God. Uh, that would be so Come on, they both play keys. They both yeah. are showmen. They both oh, rap man. and produce. They both West have Coast hits. Funk? They both have yeah. other artists they produce for like, oh, that would man. Have been pretty crazy that would, that would have, been have been insane yeah we're it's it's and that's why we got to do these things or that's why swiss and timberland got to keep pumping them out because um time with these great artists is not promised and like we've said on this this program too many times in the last year and a half uh we got to start celebrating people while they're still here totally. um, so shout out to versus uh, uh we Busta are gonna put to keeps looking for a, a an opponent do you guys have one for him uh, himself i've, I've heard yeah I've heard, 80s versus 90s 90s versus 2000s i've annoying heard missy elliott bandied about as a oh as a if it's like a quirk off <laughs> <laughs> but for rapping i mean no a quirk off um i think in terms of uh of who has it's the big right. records is yeah. it worth it let me quirk it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, be on the lookout for those shirts uh, coming out really soon. Um, I think the pro here's the problem why Buster is such a hard matchup. He is not doesn't have big records in the sense that a Jay-Z has big records or that like a Snoop or a Dre has big records. Right, right. Let's be real. I've heard people say, oh, he could go against Snoop. No, he could not. But nobody can uh, really take Snoop. Yeah. No, but he has records that are pretty damn big. He's a huge persona himself and his his uh the span of his career is just so wild like he could go back to fucking leaders of the new school and take you all the way you right. know i don't know you want to say like new york shit in 2015 
was a record. Like, you know what I mean? Like he has records that it stretches so far that there uh, aren't really his, that many. His arguably his best verse is look at me now. He could oh, just yes. win any mm. battle by doing that. Yeah. Like it's yep. just like at the end, he, he he'll have this like I hate to use this term trump card. He yeah. can just pull out and just be like, Oh, can you do this? Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know who could possibly do that. Do you know who could possibly rap at that speed? Uh would be Chip Foo. Oh from Fooshnikens. That's, That's weird. Incredible. You up. Yeah, incredible. you know, I was I was thinking it would be ill if we just talked to him for like 30 minutes about uh Fushnikens and being on the amazing last episode of Arsenio and what it was like to be on Jive at that time. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's uh you you guys know that because you clicked on the episode, but I that was a, a an amazing <laughs> teleplay we did right there. Um as you know, we have an interview with Chip Fu from Fushnikens. Um, super cool cat went in his bag of memories and nostalgia uh, to bring us what was really a great interview. It was a, a real fun time to do. So let's uh, let's flip to the interview. This is our interview with Chip Fu, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week we have conversations with people who have moved and shaped hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom from the legendary crew, the Fushnikens, we have Chip Fu. What's happening? What's happening, brothers? How y'all doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you for coming on the program. Uh, let's let's get into it, man. Um, Fushnikens, uh, three brothers from, uh, you guys are from Brooklyn, correct? Yes, East Flatbush, Brooklyn. East Flatbush, Brooklyn. How'd you come up with the name? Well, first and foremost, we wanted to stand out uh, from everybody else because we knew in the industry that um, the name meant a lot. And Mm. we wanted something that people would actually remember. We wanted something that would be hard for them to pronounce first and foremost, because I figure if it was hard for you to pronounce, once you learn how to pronounce it, you won't forget it. Ah, interesting. Okay. All right. So then we we put the word Fushnikens together, which means fusion to us because we fused our own unique styles and techniques together to come up with our own unique sounds. So, you know, once the record company heard that, that was like, it was like, yo, that's that's perfect. You know what I mean? So we just ran with that name. And and the Schnickens is just, y'all just made that up? Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's so dope. That's so dope. Keep it simple. That's so dope, man. You know, um, there's so many like big sort of benchmark moments in your career, but mm-hmm. I just got to I just got to bring up that Arsenio Hall show um, appearance. I mean, the maybe the most epic um, group performance ever. I mean, it's you guys it's CL Smooth, Wu-Tang, MC Light, Guru, Naughty by Nature. Can you just take us back to that day and that green room and the energy and just how how did that unfold? Man, first and foremost, it was it was like seeing magic happen because first we first we had to rehearse. 
So we were at um, Paramount Studios and they had us in a huge, um, a huge band room. No one was talking to each other. Everybody was just sitting off in their own corners, each group. No one spoke. And um, I remember um, Yo-Yo walked in and she just started walking around the room, just giving everybody a hug because she saw, I guess she saw how tense the vibe was. Because remember, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know order. We didn't know anything. We just knew that we were there and we kind of felt that we were just going to go out there and be like, you know, Arsenio, you know, congrats, you know, thanks for doing what you did for hip hop or whatever. And we just all came out. But then Pete Rock put that beat on and then everybody just started talking, meaning, you know, what's up and coming over and uh, you should go first. And then they started putting it together. You know what I mean? Which was kind of weird because I was like, well, damn, we were sitting here for damn near two hours and no one was talking until that beat came on. So once that beat came on, Q-Tip just started running around the room. There was like, shit, man, we got to put this together. And I, I was basically sitting there talking to Fife. And then everybody just started putting stuff together. You know, the whole KRS-One thing at the end, KRS-One was not a part of it. He was not in the room with us, nowhere near us. And that I think that was the surprise to us because he came out of nowhere with Mad Lion at the end. And we were like... But it worked so perfect. You know what I mean? It worked so perfect, man. And just after that, the um, the amount of love that was in the room, because, you know, for, you, you don't know, you get all those creative minds in one room, you don't know what's going to happen. Especially at everybody at the height of their career in that room. You know, to be honest with you, I know that there was a lot of egos in that room, a lot. Because you, you you got everybody in there that that basically made an impact, or you know some some of the people that made some serious impact in hip hop in one room, you know, and to not be talking for two hours, and then everything just spilled into this this one of the the one of the most incredible freestyles of the '90s. I could actually say to have everybody in that one room, and you get to a point where you you don't you don't know what was going to happen. But then it did, it, you know, it did. And it was a moment in time that you could never actually get back. Because if you think about it, you know, Guru is no longer here with us. Old Dirty is no longer here with us. Fife is no longer here with us. So that captured a moment in time when, you know, some, you know, when you look at it, it's like, wow, you know, some of those people aren't here. And I'm kind of glad to be able to say I was a part of that. And, you know, actually handpicked, like, yo, we're making sure we get all these groups, you know, to do what they needed to do. Um, what I really, what threw me off the most about that day was there was no West Coast groups. Mm. We were on the West, but there was no West Coast groups. Wow. And in my mind, I was like, if we were sending them off right, it should have been something where we collaborated with West Coast artists also, because we're, we're, we're on the West, you get me? But you had mm. all the East Coast groups on the West putting together a show for Arsenio Hall, which was kind of dope to me. I was just like, wow. So we're basically leaving it, you know, on the East, basically. Like we're, we're, we're basically letting them know, you know, Arsenio is going out in the bang with all of his favorite East Coast artists, you know? And I think that that was so dope to me. That's, That's incredible, man. I got the chills yeah. during, uh, during your recounting of that moment. Thank you for sharing that with us. No problem. Um, I'd like to go back to the beginning 
um, before you guys got signed, when when it was just you guys as as friends, how did you develop such a unique rap style? Was it one guys that the other guys took to? Did you challenge each other in internal battles? Like how how did you take to this such an interesting, intricate style of rapping? It was weird because for I was first and foremost, I was the last member to join the group. I was the last member to join the group. Um, I was a solo artist in the very beginning. Um, and I remember uh, Pac and Mock was like, yo, we, we having group practice in my backyard. And I was like, group practice. And he was like, yeah, come down to my backyard and, and, you know, see what we got or whatever, which was basically me walking across the street from my house because I grew up with Pac. So I walked in his backyard. I saw, you know, turntable and radio and records and, they didn't know I rhymed at all. They never knew I rhymed. They thought I was going to come back in there and I was supposed to be the artist in the group that only does the reggae part in the in the song or whatever. You know what I mean? So when they started throwing on stuff and I started rhyming, is when they were like, oh, shit, we didn't know that you could rhyme. I was like, yeah, you know, I do both. Now, that stems from um, my brother. And uh, my, my brother, being that um, he used to he my brother's from Brixton England so he used to get a lot of these tapes from this group called Saxon Hi-Fi from in England and there was a guy on there named Tipper Irie and this guy Tipper Irie was way advanced than the normal dude you get me so I'm sitting there listening to him saying my god this guy is he's all over the beat like he never let the beat breathe and he's singing one time he's rapping one time he's chatting one time and he's skipping on the beat and how he's skipping, you know, there were gaps in between words, but he was he was he was skipping on the beat, and there were gaps in between his words. But then I was thinking, what if you were able to fill up those gaps with words instead of just doing two fours and you know three and da, 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 and you're skipping on beat? But I learned that intricate style came from me studying Tipper Irie in um mm. in in from England, and you know basically practicing on ska beats because remember if, if i'm getting beats from england they're more so grime ska and 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 you know they, they were in different different pockets you get me so i learned how to rhyme on those beats first before rhyming on like a tribe called quest beat or you know impeach the president or whatever so my attack was totally different hearing a normal beat because i'm so used to hearing all these other things flying around me and I'm able to become the instrument on the record. So everything else became easy to me. So when people heard me, they was like, well, I didn't hear that on that beat. So I'm like, no, nah, you're not hearing what I'm hearing. You know what I mean? Mm. Especially growing up in a West Indian home, you know, I played the the um, alto saxophone, the um, tenor steel pan, uh, the trap drums. So I'm hearing something totally different when somebody gives me a track. I'm hearing where the fillers are and my pockets are totally different. So, you know, Along with listening to Tipper Irie and and you know me knowing what I knew, that's how the style developed. That's crazy, and it's it's interesting you you mentioned uh, having the background uh, playing instruments because looking back on it, when I hear your stuff, it's it's almost like a trumpeter that's doing these incredible runs and and the go. cadences, yeah. Um, so when you first, I know when I first heard it, mm-hmm. I was like, "Who the fuck is this dude?" Like. Yeah. So what was the initial reaction when you started busting that flow out on on people? And like, what was the 
what was the trajectory from practicing in the backyard to getting a deal with Jive? Like how long was that? Just a year. Um, it was just a year because um, I think, well, everybody in the neighborhood knew I had some different shit. They just always knew from the age of 11, my um, UTFO uh, who did the song Roxanne and Roxanne, they lived on 55th and I live on 56th street in Brooklyn. So um, they were, before they were UTFO, they were the Jamalot crew and they played at all of the, uh, the block parties or whatever. So they played for my brother's 16th birthday party. And I said to a uh, educated rapper at the time, I said, yo, I want to, you know, I want to bust around for my brother's, you know, his 16th birthday. And he's like, you sure. I was like, yeah, trust me. So I got on the mic and I, I you know, and I, you know, I, I kicked around for my brother's 16th birthday and then he turned to me and he turned to my brother and was like, yo, you need to watch him. He's crazy at, this age, you know, what is he like? This is incredible to me. So fast forward from that age, I knew I had something. So every time there was um, like school parties or whatever, I used to get on there and just rhyme and do what I would do. And people was always like, yo, you got something, man. It's totally different. I think when we went down to Howard University, uh, Phil Pabone, God rest the dead. Uh, he got us on the show along with leaders of the new school and Ed OG and the Bulldogs. And he, you know, we didn't have a song at the time. We didn't have a song to perform. All I was doing was just freestyle, actually. And I was just, I was just able to capture the crowd and people was like, who the fuck is dude right there? And then from that point on, I was like, if I'm able to capture this crowd that didn't know who the hell I was and I was standing up there in a, a karate gi, you know what I'm saying? And my, you know, I had the yin and yang symbol on my head and everybody was like, he must be nuts, but I'm stepping up on stage with everybody and, you know, ripping these freestyles. I think Sophia Chang was there and was like, I need to really, we need to talk. So by the time I got back to New York, uh, she was like, you know, put the, you know, we'd like to hear some of the demos and everything. So we put together the demos and we only had one song, bro. We only had, no, I'm lying. We only had two songs, shot two songs to all these labels and you know, when Jive heard it, they lost it. They lost their mind and was like, well, we, we got to get them to do some stuff. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you for that. You know, um, you know, speaking of big songs, and I, I really have to ask this, but um, I saw, I read that you, when you first met Shaq, he was still a DJ. And uh, I got to bring up What's Up, Doc. And, uh, you know, years later, I mean, it's such a standout um, just for many reasons besides just musical, it's cultural. Um, Tell us how that came together and how is working with Shaquille O'Neal? What's up, Doc? Basically, um, big fan of cartoons. Um, I knew that if I could get people to actually recite something that they grew up on, it would be big. I remember going to the store and buying a cart, buying um, the Looney Tunes uh, VHS tape. And I took it to the studio and I sampled that shit. But what a lot of people don't know about What's Up Doc is I sampled a piece of true Fushnik in there, right? There's a piece of true Fushnik in there and that that um, siren that you're hearing in the song, I, that's me actually standing by the microphone whistling. And I'm saying I'm whistling on the microphone and then we, what we did was we just, um, we added some, some, you know, we just beefed up the whistle 
and the whistle became the noise in the track. So you're hearing the whistle and you're hearing that train noise in the back. That train noise I sampled from True Fushnik. So moving forward, I put the Bugs Bunny sample on there and we, you know, I brought it to Jive and it was like, this is huge. Well, we had to get clearance for it. The problem was at the time that we had it done, Space Jams was in the movie theaters. So they, you know, they, Warner Brothers was like, we, we cannot allow you guys to clear that sample because if you guys drop that record, that record will, you know, kind of actually bump heads with what we're trying to do with, you know, Michael Jordan and Space Jam. So, you know, they was, said we couldn't use it. So after that, I was like, you know something, we're just going to go in the booth and just say, can we rock or some doc? We did that. So the song was basically in a can, just sitting there. And um, we said, we're not going to use it for any uh, movie soundtracks or anything. We're going to use it as a single for the second album. So I don't know nothing about basketball, bro. My other two partners, they knew. So they was just like, um, Queen Latifah got in touch with me. I remember her calling me and saying, listen, you got to go to um, Orlando. You know, Shaquille O'Neal wants to do, you know, wants to meet you. You're his favorite artist and you're his favorite group. I was like, who the fuck is Shaquille O'Neal? So the other two was cracking up. They was like, bro, first round draft pick, man. You know, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Because I'm, I'm not totally honest with you, not into sports like that, bro. And I think, you know, once we got there, you know, I walked into the um, walked into this place and I'm just seeing this guy running and he's he's slamming on everyone. I think the same night he broke the backboard, which to me was the first time I saw somebody do some shit like that. So I'm like, well, damn, he's crazy. But then after we linked up and he was like, yo, I, you know, I could rhyme or whatever. But, you know, I was like, OK, but he was like, yo, you know, I DJ first. And I remember going to his house one day after the fact, and he was actually mixing and blending records. And, you know, he's able to spin, like he's able to do what all the DJs do, but for his height. And I was kind of shocked, like he's blending records and mixing with his arms and elbows and all this other shit. Um, then he was like, yo, you know, I want to, I, I said, you know, as a matter of fact, why don't you just get on the song? He was like, all right, we book studio the following day. So he comes to the studio with this paper, man. And it's fucking tattered and he's standing there and you could damn near see through the fucking paper. And I was like, nah, that's not going to work in my mind. I was like, well, damn, it seems like, yo, that's, that looks like his schoolwork or some shit. But he came in there, bro. And one take, he did it in one take, one take. And I, we were all shocked, like, oh shit. And, but the wow. only thing we had to tell him to do was, you know, just pace himself, just pace himself, you know, and once he paced himself, he did it in one take. And then we just went in and did the ad-libs around it, took it back to um, to Jive, and then lost their minds. And we just held on to it. And uh, then once we once we released it, it, was, it just went apeshit on the airwaves, and, and it was in everything, you know, Beavis and Butthead and all. Mm -hmm. It just went crazy. So from there, we was like, yo, we got something. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, we had to prepare, you know, the second album. But that's how that went. Yeah. Would you so have good. told him if it was trash? Like, could you <laughs> have like, yeah? Yeah, I would have because remember the song, we already recorded our parts. It was, right. the song okay. was already finished. So we mm, knew okay. what we had. Right. So to add something that would have been whack would have been like, the fuck are we doing? But to actually have him on there and it, it sounded, it sounds supernatural. You know what I mean? So I was just like, it didn't sound like he forced it. It sounds supernatural. And I was like, you know something, this is going to shock everybody. 
you know so once we finally did it and people actually saw him and was like oh shit that's really him is when it took off you know definitely um i'm wondering what it was like to be on jive at that time or you know tribe obsessives um there's a lot of good music at the time souls of mischief is just it's just an incredibly talented roster at the time did you interact with the other groups did it feel like you were a part of something special at the time were you just glad to have a deal can you just kind of talk to us about your mind state of being around jive at that time being around jive you couldn't lose um fife being pak fu's cousin and us being on the same label, you couldn't lose because of KRS-One, D-Nice, Will Smith. um, What is his name again? Uh, Souls of Mischief. Oh, my God. Um, We damn near had everybody at at, at one particular time. You know what I mean? And and Kumo D. Wow, UTFO also mm-hmm. was, was too, short. too short. Too short. Um, you had everybody, tribe. You and when it was time to create the album was the scariest time because everybody recorded at Battery Studios, but not just jive artists. You had the whole of um the native tongues were down there recording, so I think Daylight was recording Balloon Mind State at the time, or one of their albums. No, they were recording uh, Daylight is Dead. They just finished. So you have all this energy in one space, man. And it, it was kind of crazy because now you get invited into sessions and they'd play their stuff. So I'm hearing tribe stuff and I'm saying to myself, yo, and you gotta you gotta really think about it. You know, we would we would damn near kids at that time. Right. So for Q-Tip and Ali to find these samples and bend and twist them the way in which they did and jumped on these records how they did was incredible to me. You know, damn near genius. Where I'm sitting there going, "Your album is going to be trash, man." <laughs> Listen to what they're doing because you know you're so stuck in your own head. I'm stuck in my head saying, "You, I gotta let them know that I'm nice lyrically and all this other stuff." And they're past that because they're they're going to they're doing their second album now. So they proved everything that they had to prove. Mm-hmm. That's where Lash Move came from. Me saying, well, "We ain't got nothing. To we prove. ain't got nothing to prove. Right? Uh, we have nothing uh, to prove because." Everybody, they they proved everything. You know, they proved we proved everything with the first single with Ring the Alarm because it went um it went gold in two weeks in Canada and then it just started going crazy all over the place. But no one was attaching the Fushnikins to that Ring the Alarm record because it was a dance hall record. You get me? Right, right. So by the time it connected with people, it was like, so wait a second, they did um they have a song out called Ring the Alarm that's that's approaching gold status and now they got this song that they're about to drop called lash move with 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 fife and they have tribe called quest that's producing damn near the entire project you know and us being like one of the only one now i don't say one of the only one of the groups that tribe stepped out of their own you know what i'm saying uh their own garage and and, and produced for was was kind of genius at the time too and it was more so about work in the studio. 
mm. because there were so many incredible minds around us that you're, you're seeing sometimes you see the door open. I saw R.A. the rugged man walk out. That's when he was about, that's when he signed to Jive. But you're seeing all these people. Um, uh, Billy Ocean was signed to the light. The label to it. <laughs> Billy Ocean is walking out, getting water, and I'm looking at him. I was like, oh, shit, that's that. <laughs> Bro, that's Billy Ocean. He said, hi, guys. And, you know, one day walking into the one of the rooms upstairs, and Will Smith is there sitting there. And I'm looking like, dude, this is the Fresh Prince. Like, I'm fucked up right now. Like, what do we do? <laughs> then Jive was like, listen, um, ring the alarms, took off, about to reach gold status, and you guys don't have an album done. So we're working backwards. So that day, they made us record all, all of Tribe's records in one day. Wow. So we did um, we did uh, Heavenly Father, True Fushnik, Lash Move, and some other stuff that Ali was working on with us in one day and in one session. It's crazy. crazy. And then we had to mix and master that same week. I think we went in and did it on a Wednesday and it had to be done by Monday. So we were done. And, you know, Fife came in and laid his verse. He was like, yo, what's up? This record is crazy. We was like, yo, jump on the record. It was that simple. He was like, all right, so where do you want me to go? He jumped on it. Um, then that's when we did check it out with Drez and we called Drez from in the other room and he came and he, you know, he did his part. So it was crazy, man. And then for it to, to, to be received the way in which it was received, it was nuts. It, it just felt like we were on one of the weirdest rides of our life because, you know, you have a group from East Flatbush, Brooklyn. And, you know, the first single we dropped, we're touring with the likes of Shaba, Supercat and, and, and all these reggae artists. The second single we dropped, we're touring with the likes of Tribe, Ice Cube, and everybody else. And then now we're jumping in between genres. And a lot of groups saw that we were able to do this. And the groups that came out after us had more of that influence. Like then you mm-hmm. had the Bush Babies. Babies, yeah. And you just had all these other groups that came out after us that um that had that influence. You know what I mean? Because record labels were able to look and say, you know something? They just got off of a Shaba Ranks tour. This is crazy. Mm. Now they're on this Ice Cube tour with Tribe and they're in Japan and they're touring like this group is never home because mm. of, you know, the content of their records. You know what I mean? Because of what they're doing. So back to, you know, the original question, recording at that time and recording at Battery Studios was magic, bro. Because it's not like on any given day you're bumping into somebody. And half the time I didn't know whom I was talking to, because I was just, just talking to people. You know what I'm saying? And then you hear people, you yeah, know, that's that that was that's Prince Hakeem or that's that's and I'm like, who what the fuck is that? And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that my mind state was trying about I was basically about trying to finish our record and do what we have to do, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, shout out to all those groups and the energy at that time, you know, down there because just them being who they are, that rubbed off on us. Mm. Because we we had to, they set the standard and benchmark, man. Because you, you're opening up their doors and you're hearing <laughs> you're hearing some magical shit seep out of the rooms. And I'm like, yo, we're nowhere even near that, bro. Like, you know, we just got kicks and fucking snares, and you're hearing all this this jazz stuff come out the door. And I'm like, 
we got to compete with that. And then Ali would be like, hey, guys, how y'all doing? In my mind, I'm like, what are you telling us? Hey, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That That's like unicorn music, bro. You know? Yeah. Just hearing all the stuff. And, man, it was crazy. And then, have you know, having to sit with other producers. Like, we had a, a bunch of producers coming in, and they're sitting there playing us their beats. And then you'd hear their door open. And you're listening to that shit. And then this producer's, you know, he's he's loading another beat. And we're looking at each other like, this dude is trash. You know? <laughs> like he, he has to, we have to work with Ali, you know. And, yeah. and I'm glad that we were able to work with Ali. He, he damn near, you know, he saved our life, actually, because the beats that they were giving us was trash, bro. Yeah. Trash. <laughs> trash. I was like, my gosh, you know, because you got to think about it. Production-wise, if you think about it, production-wise, the two groups at that time that had some dope production was De La and Tribe. Tribe, yeah. Ahead of their time. Right, ahead of their time. So we're a new group coming up, and our demo sounds like bass lines, kicks, snares, and (laughs) hi-hats, and there was nothing. You get what I'm saying? And then like a sample going through it. And then these guys have string instruments sampled a certain way and, and you know, oh my god it was just so dope you know what i mean but that time was like unicorn time bro you always bump, bumping into wow you you you're bumping into everybody incredible stories thank you so yeah, much man. that's yeah just it, i'm glad you're you're kind of uh saying it how we imagined it right and a lot of yeah. times people yeah, yeah. come on here and demystify uh, mm-hmm. things but it's cool that you you were aware of that in the moment and you uh you knew what you were part of something special yeah it was crazy yeah, yeah that's uh it, it kind of as we kind of wrap here it, it makes me think about like legacy mm-hmm. and kind of how uh fushnik is, is is viewed and i'm just wondering um mm-hmm. do you feel it's kind of kind of a two-part question do mm-hmm. you feel that some of the stylistic contributions that you brought to the games, like Fushnikas was the first to really incorporate the martial arts angle, mm-hmm. even, even prior to Wu-Tang doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we have the conversations about fast rap, let's say, um, your name doesn't come up a lot. And I'm wondering, do you feel like you've, th- yourself as an artist and the group Fushnikas is properly uh, credited? No, I don't think that we're properly credited. I don't think... You know, but I always say to myself that, you know, <laughs> if no one, someone is going to end up saying it. You get me? Mm-hmm. Like for all, and for instance, we're going to talk about Wu-Tang. When, with for the, you know, on Hulu, they have their their, their mm-hmm. show on Hulu or whatever. My phone rang off the hook <laughs> when they showed uh, Ghostface sitting there with his lady and then, you know, the, the uh, true Fushnik video was on television that he was watching, right? Right, right. So now everybody's like, wait a second. So the Fushnikins did come out first with it. So I, I'm sitting there mm-hmm. going, I've been telling you that for long. And <laughs> now they actually had to show you guys mm. their truths. Like, well, what was happening at the time? And well, well, I remember I was sitting in the house with and the true Fushnik video. So I'm sitting there going, okay, so I don't have to say anything anymore. Everything is mm. going to come out. And for me, when it comes to style and all that, a lot of those MCs know already. A lot of those MCs know. We've been in ciphers where I took their head off. You know what I'm saying? And they would never mention that. You know, it's like this. 
don't know if it's some shit like, yo, Chip Fu just took your fucking head off, bro. But you can't <laughs> let nobody, in. you know? And, and for me, I'm good with that because I know what happened. Yeah. So anytime I step into that, that arena or you see me at a show and I understand why you're not passing me the mic and I'm overlooked, it's because I set that fear in your heart. I'm good with that because all I got to do is just walk around and smile. Mm. Yeah. I mm. walk around and smile and then it'll be somebody else on stage that says, Oh, we got Chip Fu in the house. The crowd will go apeshit. I'd walk up on there knowing that you intentionally didn't want me to get on stage. And now I got to do you the wickedness. The, the, I got to do you something that I don't normally do to people. I got to decapitate your ass on stage. You and your crew. You get me? So yeah. once that's done, I go home. I'm, I, I feel good about that. That just lets me know that whatever it is that I was blessed with and that I walk with, you're fearful of that. And if I could strike fear in you by just standing there, and I'm not even that type of person to be like, yo, bro, I'm here. No, I'm striking fear in you because you know, and I'd rather it be that. I mean, nowadays with um, the stuff that's, that's, that's happening with, with all these, uh, these reoccurring show, shows that's coming up and I step inside there, you know, it's always that one thing on people's mind and this person, can he really do it live? And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and you have all these other MCs that possibly don't know what's going on. That's never been on stage with me or whatever. Decapitate their ass and go home. Simple and plain. No disrespect to nobody. Decapitate their ass. And then after that, everybody wants to be my friend. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I'm going home to take care of my family, bro. I know I don't need anything to drink. It was nice seeing you after all these years and shit. You get me? Yeah. And I'm just going to head home. But it doesn't. It, it more so bothers the people that grew up around us okay? because they saw the, the work that we put in. And then me, uh, you know, understanding that, I mean, I studied martial arts, to be honest with you. It wasn't any joke or anything about me putting right. on the Asian gi or whatever. I put that on because I was born with respiratory problems. And my dad is the one that took me to a karate school and told him that I have respiratory problems and I needed something to teach me to breathe different build self-esteem and all that stuff so once i learned all of that and i you know i collected my many belts i was like well now 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 i'm, a, I'm now i'm a better person mm. now anything that i wanted to focus on because of the discipline i could focus on and that's when i started focusing on playing instruments and writing material or whatever so all of that came from martial arts so it was never a situation where oh we just was like, yo, we were watching a Saturday morning drive through movies and we were just like, we're just going to do it for that reason. You know, my team understood that this is something that I grew up in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. My discipline came from that, you know? So us coming together and saying, you know, um, we wear the, we're wearing the Asian geese because of the, the lyrical styles and techniques that we've mastered. I mastered a new way of breathing that actually saved my life from having respiratory problems. You get me? Mm. So that was a super accomplishment for me to be an artist that time and still being an artist that was able to get past respiratory problems and rhyme how I rhyme. Yeah. So a lot of people, like, if you think about it, Farrell Marsh got past um, asthma, Asthma. Mm -hmm. dropped away. Me, I had to, my route was, you know, martial arts to learn how to breathe different and calm down. And to be able to do what I'm doing, my mother and father used to be like, yo, I, we didn't see that coming. We thought you, <laughs> we didn't see that coming at all, son. So, you know, that was the accomplishment for me. So when people uh, question all that other stuff, my 
my accomplishment was to be my sole accomplishment was to be able to learn how to breathe better first and foremost mm. biggest accomplishment accomplishment that that for me wasn't able to play sports because of that mm. then they get into an industry where it's it's music and lyrics and master that that's my accomplishment to have people not wanting to recognize me because I'm that good. Let's keep it a hundred. And we're not going to recognize him because he, he's pretty nice. I'm not going to front, you know, it kind of took me for a loop, but yo, I ain't going to front. Like, I don't know. He's not an easy walk in the park to have people be able to say that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just because of what they heard. And then to hear me live, that's my accomplishment. That's beautiful, man. Chip, Chip Fu, we want to thank you for coming on the program, man. It's been great to talk to you, man. Thank you so much. All right. You guys take care, man. Thanks so much, man. Nice. That was our conversation with the decapitator. <laughs> Chip Fu. Man, he's heads great. to bed. Woo. He's yeah. great, man. He's yeah. great. I mean, it's yeah. I'm glad that we got to give him his flowers a little bit. And, you know, for him to like be accepting of sort of his place in bringing the Asian martial arts influence to hip hop, yeah. the fast rap influence, the, the reggae influence, you yeah. know, I, he's vastly undercredited. Absolutely. I, I would agree. He was naming off groups and I wanted to be like, born Americans, but <laughs> I, I held back. Um, Jamalski. Yeah. Oh, so it turns into Saturday Night Live introductions. <laughs> yeah. That guy from the Bush Babies. <laughs> I wonder. Well I done, wonder. Nate. Kind of Joey Badass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new Twitter account we're about to start. Um, fictional Saturday Night Live intros. I, you say Jamalski, and now I'm like, shit. He probably deserves credit for a whole other brand of musical, you know, like the jungle flow that people right. used to rap over jungle beats is Chip Fu. Uh, so it was very interesting to hear him talk about rapping over ska and the different West Indian uh, elements that went into his flow, as well as being around fucking Battery Studios. Nate, um, if you walked in, if we could do Quantum Leap, and you ended up in those studios. You would pass out in what ninety seconds? Oh two minutes? man, it's just oh, so man. crazy. It, it, we did another interview today that we can't really talk about yet that you guys will hear about in the new year, where we got deep into this kind of mythology of uh, the golden era recordings as well. But man, I've just been luxuriating in the fact that so much great music was made at this time in the same place by these people who all knew and influenced each totally. other directly. And like I, when I just asked a kind of like scrambling question because it was my turn to ask a question i had no idea chip Fu was going to like blow my freaking mind by talking about he was like it's not really about the label it's about the studio that's where the magic happens right, kind of and i'm like right. you're so right dude he, uh, every single one of his answers was like a master class it was so totally great. he totally, had so totally. much to say and just was around for so much interesting stuff like it was just a great great interview i was just so impressed 
Me too. Yeah. So humble, lots of self-awareness and just like, you know, him ruminating, you know, over those stories. I'm just like, um, it sounds like the last emperor secret war song where you're yeah. just naming all these superheroes. Dude. Totally. And, and not to like riff on that too hard, but like, similarly, I don't mind saying I went into that last emperor interview with low expectations. I came into this with low expectations. I didn't know what was going to happen. And both those guys were like, great. So thoughtful. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, that's sort of that's sort of the best surprise. I mean, and on the flip side, it's when you're excited to talk to someone and they give you one word answers and they're fucking dunces. (laughs) Right. And we've had that happen before, too. Yeah. So you can take your guesses as to which episodes or (laughs) or it's either either one word answers or a million word answers. uh, Well, stop there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, make your own. uh, You have uh, to get the rest on Patreon. Exactly. Exactly. Where exactly where I was going. Uh, yeah, man, we have a fucking Patreon. Who knew? How soon until I start calling it the page right now? <laughs> it's, it's starting. OK, I'm, I'm going Patty. The Patty wagon. Subscriber on the Patty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we started a Patreon. Uh, been a long time coming, but we finally have a, a Patreon account. And so uh, for five dollars a month, just five dollars a month, enough to feed a starving hip hopper um, on the other side of the world. Less than an oat milk latte at the kind of places I go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you could be a subscriber to the dad bod rap pod Patreon and you will get all kinds of fly content. Dave, tell them what they've won. You get to get a bunch of exclusive um, discussions that we have that, you know, that, that might endanger our access to uh managers artists and just the whole circle of uh, people in the industry but this is where we keep it really real and Mm. um the other thing that we're also adding are an occasional radio show by nate leblanc um super looking forward to that um can we say the title yeah i would call it a fly sporadic after a very classic uh charisma lyric i've always loved that phrase sick and i and only also, make them sporadically and hopefully they're kind of fly <laughs> hopefully they're fly <laughs> speaking of things that might be fly um i'm, I'm going to be giving out a bunch of um old demos and promos that i've received through the years like 20 years worth of promos i just got a i literally have a box of them and within them are kind of everything that's come out in the last 20 years so a lot of stuff that i kind of dismissed but a lot of cool stuff too so i'm looking forward to digging through those and giving them out I'm going to yeah. join our Patreon by several different fake names so to win Dave's promos. Exactly. As long as as long as your credit card works, we will, uh, <laughs> you, are, you are eligible. And so, yeah, if you go to uh, patreon.com slash dadbodratpod, you will get to see kind of the the examples of, of the package that we have for our Patreon subscribers. Really, we're just thankful that people fuck with us on that level. Uh, shout out to the UK. We've been up for... We've been live for about four days um, and about a fourth of our subscribers are from the UK, given that four pound uh, to us. And we really appreciate it. It does a lot to support the show. Keep us growing and evolving. And, um, you know, we'll continue to evolve the Patreon as well. Have a, a couple different ideas for things that we could throw out. But if you're not in there, you're not in there. You will not you will not get these fly exclusive uh bits of dad bod rap pod so with that being said subscribe 
patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod if you want to talk to us we are on twitter at dad bod rap pod we are also on instagram at dad bod rap pod we do a podcast every fucking week where have you been this has been episode 192 of the dad bod rap pod Oh, yeah.